0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Boy, how true is this? I mean, anyone can start a fight, but not anyone can stop it. Be that peacemaker. It's it's an honor. It's honorable for a man to stop the striving, stop the argument, but any fool can just start it.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to start a fight, and how once it's started, it seems even easier to escalate it? In today's message, Pastor J.D. discusses the importance of being a peacemaker, rather than someone who creates tension or strife? Are you a peacemaker, or do you contribute to fights? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 20 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Proverbs
1: chapter 20. We finished chapter 19. Last week we'll pick it up in chapter 20 and we'll see how far we go. Again, we're not in any hurry. I don't think any of you are complaining. At least nobody's complaining to me anyway, so we're not going to rush through this amazing book of wisdom. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So right out of the chute, this first proverb here in chapter 20 is speaking to the folly of those who are intoxicated, drinking, and when it comes to wine, It's basically saying that those who drink wine are not only led astray by it, but they are made a fool by it as well. Those who drink and get drunk and intoxicated just make fools of themselves. Strong drink, interesting. Notice the difference between wine and strong drink. Strong drink is a brawler. In other words it leads to brawling, to violence, to fights. This is what we would often refer to as an angry drunk. Those who drink and get drunk and again not only are they led astray by it, they are led into violence because of it. Verse 2, The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. You know, there does come a time, and this is where discernment comes in, and we're going to be talking a little bit about discernment tonight in this chapter. But this is where it is so important to have that discernment and choose your words carefully so as to not provoke to wrath. I think about what the Apostle Paul writes in the context of parenting in the book of Ephesians about particularly fathers, interesting fathers, that's the exhortation, is chiefly to fathers, because fathers are usually the ones who are the most guilty of this. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them. Don't provoke them. And throughout this study of the book of Proverbs, and we'll see it again throughout the entire book, where a soft answer will turn away wrath, whereas a harsh word will stir it up. I liken it to putting a log on a fire, and it keeps it burning hot, and a soft answer conversely is like putting water, pouring water on that fire and putting it out. We're going to see this come up again here a little bit later. Verse 3, along the same lines, it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Boy, how true is this? <laughs> I mean anyone can start a fight, but not anyone can stop it. Be that peacemaker. It's, it's an honor, it's honorable for a man to stop the striving, stop the argument, but any fool can just start it. The lazy, verse 4, the lazy man, will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Again this is a recurring theme throughout the book of Proverbs, this mention of the folly of laziness. This is an interesting thought. Uh, Think about this. Did you realize that work was blessed before uh, before sin entered the world? So Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, and they were told to be fruitful and multiply, and to work And by the way, I hope this doesn't crash your hard drive, to use a more modern metaphor, but you know we're going to be working in heaven, right? But it's not going to be anything like what we understand work to be here on earth. God created man to work, and work was blessed before the fall. Work was blessed in the garden. In fact, when sin entered, the curse was that that work that was once so blessed by God will now be a curse and be by the sweat of your brow. It could be that this is the supreme reason that God just is repulsed by laziness. It dishonors God. It does not bring glory to God. This is how God created us. And, you know, I grew up in a small farm town, and I'll tell you, when it came time for harvest, you've never seen farmers work so hard as during harvest. In fact, school oftentimes would be delayed, which meant that we had to uh, have more days going into June. This is on the mainland. I know here in Hawaii what the kids are out in like March. They go back to school in August. We didn't go until late sometimes into September, and then the school year wouldn't end until well into June. And they would actually delay the school starting in order to get those crops in. You know when Jesus talks about how using the analogy of the harvest of souls, that the fields are white and ready for harvest. This is, I think, a reference to wheat, because when the wheat is prime and ready for harvest, the heads of the wheat are white. and you look out over those wheat fields, and there is just such a small window of opportunity before the inclement weather comes where you've got to get that harvest in. There was one farmer that I knew. I heard about this. I never, uh, I didn't work for him. I worked for uh, another, a different farmer. But I was told that he would work from dawn to dusk in order to get those crops in because it was so time driven. And what he would do is he would sleep in his truck He would not even go home, and as soon as that was that first, he would do work that he could do at night, but as soon as that sun came out, he was right back out there. That's hard work. Uh, We've read, and we'll see it again too, another recurring theme, that that all hard work leads to profit. God will bless and honor hard work. That's the way He created us. Verse 5, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out." This is interesting. So you know how it is sometimes when you're talking with somebody and there's such a depth, you know, as opposed to when you're talking with somebody and it's so surfacey, it's so shallow, and you realize you cannot have a deep conversation with them. At best you're, you're only going to, it's just real surfacy. How you doing? Fine. How you doing? Fine we'll do lunch sometime, good. That's the end of the conversation. No depth. It's all just surfacey. it's all just fluff. And then contrasted with someone that you can have a deep conversation with, and it will be the wise one who draws out from that one the wisdom from their depth of character. Verse 6, most men, I'm, I'm chuckling for a reason here, most men will proclaim each his own goodness. But who can find a faithful man? In other words, isn't this true? We're all so quick to always talk about all the good things we've done. Oh, we never talk about the not so good things that we've done. And we're quick to declare even both. We'll be talking about that in a moment as well. But the proverb says, who can find a faithful man? Verse 7 takes it further. The righteous man walks in his integrity. We talked about the difference between integrity and honesty last week. They're not synonymous in terms. Integrity carries with it the idea of not caving or bending or faltering or breaking. So we'll use it in the context of that steel has structural integrity. In other words, it won't bend. And so that's the difference between integrity and honesty. This is a proverb talking about the righteous man who walks uprightly, walks in purity, and walks in his integrity. And then listen to what it says about this man who walks in integrity. His children are blessed after him. Why do you think that is? Have you ever heard the expression, it's not what's taught, it's what's caught. Our children will learn more from us by the way we live, by the way we act, by the way we walk, by the way we talk, more than they ever will by our instructing them. Have you ever heard that famous parental expression, don't do as I do, do what I say. Have you ever said that to your kids? Yeah, me neither. Pagan, unbelievers, sinners do that, but <laughs> don't. in other words, don't do what I do. I'm not a good example. I'm not walking in integrity. Do what I say, because I'm the parent and I said so. No, what this is talking about is the children are watching the parents, and they're watching the father, and they're watching the mother, and they're asking themselves this question, (laughs) are they for real? Are they the real deal? We're going to be talking about this on Sunday in First Thessalonians. There are two questions, we talk about this often, that everyone is asking when they read the letter of our lives. And that first question is, are you the real deal? And the second question is, does Christianity work? And by the way, they want both of those questions answered in the affirmative, because they want the Christian life to work, because if the Christian life works, then there's hope for them. And they want to know that you're the real deal, that you are walking in righteousness, that you are walking in integrity. They want you to be like that, because then that's attractive to them. The Apostle Paul in Thessalonians says that we win the respect of the outsider, the non-believer. I was thinking about it growing up as a kid. You know, I was always told, of course, Scripture teaches the commandments. The fifth commandment is very clear that we're to honor our father and our mother. Now, there's a difference between honoring them and respecting them. Respect is earned. Respect is earned. You can still honor your father and mother because it is a commandment. It's the only commandment that promises a blessing, but respecting them is earned. And oh, would to God that we as parents with our children would earn their respect when they watch our lives. They they don't want to see a double standard. They want to see the real deal, that our yes is yes, our no is no. And they're watching us. Verse 8, a king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Again, talking about and speaking to the importance of discernment. You know, sometimes you can just see and, and discern a discernment of spirits, something's not right here. I think about Jesus when this woman, many believe, was set up, caught in the act of adultery, was brought to Him, and it was a test to see what he was going to do. It's one of those places in Scripture where I you, you want to place yourself in that place at that time to see this all play out but they bring this woman caught in adultery to Jesus and test him what's he going to do what's he going to do let's see what let's see what he does and then Jesus with his eyes i i imagine just that look that he must have had And when they made eye contact with Jesus at that time, and He says to them, let he who be without sin cast the first stone. And then we're told that he starts writing in the sand. There's much in the way of speculation as to what he was writing. We're not told what it was that he was writing. Some have suggested that he was writing all of their sins. And we're told, very interesting detail, that they left from the oldest to the youngest. So the thought is, is that he was writing, starting with the oldest, uh, all of their sins. And he just got done telling them, let he who be without sin cast the first stone. And they're looking, who? and they're out of there. <laughs> and then pretty soon they're all gone. And then Jesus looks to her and says, where are your accusers? And well, they they all left. <laughs> Thank you. And then he says to her, go and sin no more. Verse 9, who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. That's a good question. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? No one can say. That's a rhetorical question. Who could ever say, I am pure from my sin? In other words, it came by my hands. No, it did not. It came by Christ's imputed righteousness. In other words, I I see this word imputed as inputted. It's put in, imputed, input, put in us instead of us. It is Jesus that purifies us from sin. It is Jesus who cleanses us from all of our sin and unrighteousness. You know when we do these ABC's of salvation every Sunday? Oh, I can't wait till this Sunday. i got a powerful testimony to share with you. So we've been doing these ABCs of salvation for over two years now, at the end of every prophecy update. And the first one is A, which is admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner. Now one would think that that would be an easy do a firm grasp of the obvious. I mean, that's not the problem. Convincing somebody of their need for the Savior. And it's this acknowledging or this admitting that I have sinned against God. All have fallen short, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that's the problem. And it starts right there. And it will stop right there too until and unless that person comes to that place where they see that they are a sinner. You can't go anywhere, because if you're not a sinner, then you don't need a Savior. If you cannot come to that place where you acknowledge that you are a sinner, you'll forgive me for saying it like this, but you're not in the market for a Savior because you're not a sinner. Do you see how important it is? So you're on the street and you ask the average person if you're sharing the gospel, hey, if you were to die today, do you think you would go to heaven? And usually they'll say something to the effect of, yes, I do. And then you ask them the follow-up question, very good question. And this is a great way to start, by the way. So you ask them the follow-up question, why? And here's what you'll usually get as an answer 99.9% of the time. Well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You might be a good person, but the Bible says you will never be good enough. And this is where it's important, and we're going to be talking about this at the conclusion of our Bible study night. This is why it is so important sometimes to take somebody back to the law. Because when you take them to the law, it's not the only way, but sometimes it's a good way to get that person to the place where they realize that they have broken the perfect standard of God's righteousness. They have broken God's law. And you take them to those Ten Commandments. And the Bible says if you've broken one of them, it's like breaking all of them. So you take them and you talk to them about have you ever, like, you know, coveted your neighbor's new car when they pulled up in the driveway? And you're like, oh. You just broke God's law. You know what the penalty is for breaking God's law? Oh, it's death. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. As long as they think that they're a good person, you cannot go anywhere with them. You've got to bring them to that place where they realize that they have sinned. Otherwise, they're not interested in, in the Savior. This is a biggie. And this... Verse 9 is actually (laughs) something that can be used in witnessing and sharing the gospel in our evangelizing, because nobody can say this. You, You cannot, you do not have the ability to make yourself clean and pure from sin. Only Jesus could, because he was the only one that was perfect, that was pure, and he became that sacrifice for you instead of you, because He was perfect. And you believe in Him, you put your trust in Him, and you call upon Him, acknowledging your sin, and for the forgiveness of sin, and the Bible says you will be saved. It's that simple. But again, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating this, I don't know that it's possible to overstate the importance of this. You cannot share the gospel with somebody who does not see themselves as a sinner. You're dead in the water until they come to that place. Verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike. Oh yeah, what are they both like? Oh, they're like an abomination to the Lord. I know that's a different way to read and quote the verse, an abomination? That's like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a transgression, it's an abomination, it's a (laughs) 10 on that scale, in the eyes of God. What is this diverse weights, diverse measures? Now, let let me see if I can bring it into a modern day application. Now, in that day, when they were selling their products, they would take this scale, and they would, if you were buying one pound of, let's just say, flour or sugar, okay, they would take a weight that said one pound on it, they'd put it on this side of the scale, then they would take the flour or the sugar, and they would put it on this side of the scale. So how how did you know that you were buying a pound? Because it evened up with the weight. Well, what if that one pound weight isn't really one pound?
0: It's easy to dismiss Old Testament books as ancient texts that hold little meaning for you today. However, there's plenty of application for your life right now in this modern world. The book of Proverbs is one that specifically provides advice, admonishment, and encouragement for your life as a follower of Christ. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, though, you may have realized that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, we'd like to encourage you to change that right now. We have a simple guide that will tell you more. Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will tell you why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We'd love to hear from you, too, and we're available to answer any questions you may still have. Please get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the truths found in the book of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.